It's time for the Midday Memo at the Red River College, the weekly deep dive into all important and local news, reviews, and entertainment. Welcome back to the Midday Memo, Anthem's news radio show bringing you the hottest scoops around town. I'm your hostess, Graham Hooson, and boy, do we have a show for you today. Jeremy Morantz is live on location at Tuxedo Village Family Restaurant for Chow Magazine's Dine About Winnipeg 2019. Then we have an interview with drag queen and event planner Ezzy Raisin of production team Slunt Factory talking about their drag show this Sunday night. Aiden Clowett will be in studio to talk about last night's fundraiser show for local singer Courtney Devin Krebbash to help pay for the cost of immigration. Cassidy Dankochik is also live in studio ranting about what's on everyone's mind this time of year, the cold. Next, Caitlin Gowerluck has prepared a segment on Winnipeg teachers reaching out for tips on how to best integrate Indigenous content into their classes. And finally, our very own Christina Burridge is on entertainment this week covering the Super Bowl and President Barack Obama coming to Winnipeg next month. But first, Caitlin Bell is here to give us the latest news from around the globe. You're listening to news on the Midday Memo. Manitoba's Advocate for Children and Youth has launched a serious investigation into the circumstances surrounding a man who was accused of sexual abuse against four of his foster daughters who then continued to live with the girls in the month following the start of the police investigation. The foster father pleaded guilty to sexually abusing two of the girls and is yet to be sentenced. His preliminary trial for sex crimes against the other two girls starts this summer. The truck driver who caused the deadly Humboldt Broncos bus crash says he takes full responsibility for the collision that killed 16 people and injured 13 others. Wow. Jaskarat Singh Sidhu told family members of the 16 killed and 13 injured last April the accident happened because of his lack of experience and that he's sorry for his actions. Prosecutor Thomas Healy says it's been a rough week. It has been a difficult an emotional week for everyone. Healy's calling for 10 years in prison, while Sadu's lawyer offered no recommendations. The sentencing is scheduled for March 22nd. Bill Graveland, The Canadian Press, Melford, Saskatchewan. Prosecutors say a former Ontario pastor charged with manslaughter in the death of his pregnant, girl, pregnant wife sedated her so that he could continue having an affair with her friend. Crown attorney says Philip Grandine did not stop his wife from getting into a bathtub while under the influence of a sedative on the night she died. In her opening arguments, prosecutor Donna Kelway and Carissa said Carissa Grandine had not been prescribed the sedative lorazepam, but the drug was found in her system during an autopsy. It's the second time Grandine has been tried in his wife's death, but Ontario Superior Court Justice Faye McWatt told jurors not to speculate as to the reason for the new trial. Empire actor Jesse Smollett is disputing rumors circulating on social media that he has been less than cooperative with the investigation into a racially charged attack in which he says two masked men beat him and wrapped a rope around his neck in downtown Chicago. In his first public statement since the attack early Tuesday, the black and gay actor said in a news release that he has been completely honest and consistent on every level with the police. He also said he is grateful for the outpouring of support he's received. Several LGBTQ and black activist groups are planning to hold a rally in New York City on Friday evening for Smollett and other LGBTQ survivors of violent crime. 30 mushers and their dog teams are ready to set out tomorrow with the hopes of winning the 2019 Yukon Quest dog sled race. The 1,600-kilometer race is considered among the most challenging race for dogs and humans, and limited snow this year is making the course even trickier. 
Race officials are concerned about the lack of snow and warmer conditions, but Sergeant John Mitchell with the Canadian Rangers says a team of 32 has been grooming the Canadian side of the trail. The low snow conditions allowed us to break, uh, brush it out a lot better than has it been done in the previous years because we could get down to the low stuff on it. And then we got the snow dump on it there, so it actually set up good, and we've got a pretty darn good base. And on the topic of weather, I've got our weekly forecast. It's minus 14 in Winnipeg right now, but it feels like minus 25. We've got some light snow with winds at about 31 kilometers an hour. The next seven days are looking a bit warmer than previous weeks with a high of minus 13 on Saturday, but we will see with a low of minus 32 on Thursday. I'm Kalen Bell for the Midday Memo. Thank you, Kaylin, for the news update. Now, live on location from Tuxedo Village Family Restaurant, Jeremy Morantz is calling in to dish about chow dine about Winnipeg 2019. Jeremy, uh, what have you got for me? Well, I'm going to dish all right, that's for sure. As you said, I'm here at Tuxedo Village Restaurant on Cordon Avenue because today marks the first day of Chow Dine About Winnipeg 2019, which is billed as the season's hottest restaurant event. How it works is several restaurants around the city offer out-of-the-box and enticing three-course meals at a fixed price. It's a true celebration of local culinary arts. So about 20 restaurants around the city are participating in this Winnipeg-wide event, including a local favorite of mine and the place, of course, I've uh, chosen to come today, Tuxedo Village Family Restaurant. Uh, so the, the Dine About menu doesn't actually start till tonight, but it's already packed inside the restaurant. The Chow Dine About Winnipeg website warns to call and make a reservation at the restaurant you want to go to because these restaurants will fill up quick and they aren't wrong. I uh, talked to a staff member here. And she told me that uh, Tuxedo Village's set menu for the event has three options for appetizers, three options for entrees, and two dessert options. She also told me there are uh, vegetarian options for all courses. Uh, a few minutes ago, I also bothered a husband and wife who were just leaving the restaurant. They said they actually had no idea about the event, and they just like coming to Tuxedo Village uh, around 11 a.m. for lunch. Uh, they told me, though, they are interested in checking the event out here and at other restaurants around the city now that they know about it. I think you should definitely consider making your own reservation uh, before Dine About Winnipeg ends on February 11th because all of the menus look insane. I know I'll be making my own reservation. And uh, for a full list of restaurants that are participating in Dine About Winnipeg and their menus they're offering during the event, visit chowwinnipeg.com. So, Jeremy, is this your first Chow Dine About Winnipeg uh, experience? I've never participated in the event before, but I'm definitely, now that I know about it, you can bet 100% I'll be there. So fun. Uh, what are some other restaurants that are involved? So there's all kinds of prominent local restaurants that you've heard of, like Cafe Carlo, Chop, Fusion Grill, Saddle Rion Market. Uh, and they're all offering exclusive menu items that you can't get if you just show up on a regular day. Fantastic. So you said that Tuxedo Village Family Restaurant is your uh, is one of your favorite hotspots. What's your favorite dish? <laughs> I can't lie. I love Tuxedo Village Family Restaurant. Uh, every time I'm here without fail, uh, they actually know when, when I when I walk in, I have to get that lemon rice soup. There's nothing that beats the lemon rice soup here at uh, Tuxedo Village. That's for sure. Amazing. What's what's the vibe in there? Tell me more about uh, the restaurant. I've never been there. It's like a, it's a pretty traditional kind of Greek, 
style. It's it's not too high end. It's uh, not too low end. It's like right in the middle. Uh, of course, it's a family restaurant, so there are big tables. Uh, there there are children at all times, and um, it's overall it's just a, uh, the staff are all super nice. I uh, have to stop myself from coming so much because uh, I can't get enough of it here. Fantastic! Thank you so much, Jeremy, for uh, for tuning in today. Stay warm out there. I'll try. <laughs> All right. And now in studio, we have Ezzy Raisin, local drag queen and founding member of production team Slunt Factory. Ezzy, thank you so much for coming in. You're so welcome. So uh, you created Slunt Factory along with fellow local drag performers Katie Maskew and Brielle DeRay Fleming last autumn. Now, Slunt Factory is one of the most esteemed production teams in the city, putting on one drag show a month, mostly featuring lineups of newer and less experienced drag performers. So what inspired you to create Slunt Factory? Um, so, like, our ma- not our mandate, but, like, we... Um we wanted to place a focus on new performers because we are all relatively new performers. Um, Katie or Moxie's been in for like about a year and a half. I'm almost at a year. Same with Dirt, who is Brielle. Um, and so, you know, it, it it's not always the most welcoming space to come into or not. That's not the right phrasing. It's It can be intimidating to come into, especially if you don't know anybody. Um, and so we wanted to create a safe space where people could come and try and fail and, like, still be supported. Um, so originally we had just planned on doing a Halloween show. Uh, we were going, like, you know, there's a bunch of new performers. We should just all get together and do a Halloween show. And then it kind of, like, proceeded to build into this thing that's like a lot and like much bigger um so we are we're about three shows in we have one we have our next show this um sunday which yourself you you are performing at (laughs) um and it's going yeah we have um we're now monthly which is very exciting very exciting uh so what is the importance and I guess the impact of providing a space for newer drag performers in the the local drag scene, as opposed to just booking more established drag queens and kings. Well, a large part of what we're trying to do is build those connections and bridges between, you know, the older, more established queens and the ones that are just starting out. So by doing, like, to do that, we have, a slate of mostly all new performers, usually like one or two debuts per show, and then we'll bring in a special guest that'll be like a more established performer. So at our last show, we had Anita Stallion and Sharon Sharelike. Before that, we had Cake. And so it's just, you know, like by having everyone in a show together, kind of it gives people that chance to like talk to each other and like, start building that camaraderie and like once you kind of start making those bridges it's a lot easier for you to come out and try for like other shows and just like show up (laughs) absolutely so this sunday at club 200 as you said you'll be hosting your fourth show called it's my party uh what can audiences expect from the show well it's very exciting because it's a 
birthday show. So we um, we will be celebrating two of our founding members, Dirt and Moxie, and also good friend of the show, Ruby Chopsticks, because all of their birthdays are within a week. So um, we'll be having a really fun group number, a lot of like cute little tributes. Um, but, you know, always all Sun Factory shows you have a good mix of high energy, some like emotional ballads, um, and just good performances. They're good shows. They are good shows. Uh, Sun Factory has received a lot of publicity in the past few months with a feature article in Vice News, actually, calling your team uh, sort of bringing about the renaissance of drag. How did it feel receiving national attention for your efforts? Uh, it was kind of very surreal and overwhelming. Um and uh, while, like, we're all very grateful for that kind of coverage, um, uh, I think enough, or, like, I think part of the reason that we're able to do what we do is because we're building on top of work that people like Prairie Sky and Like That and the Sunshine Bunch and Cake have done to, like, start making, like, the scene a much, like more welcoming space for everyone. And I don't think we would be able to do what we're doing right now if it wasn't for that. So I feel like um, we need more acknowledgement of that because like what we're doing right now would not be possible if it wasn't for the work that people had already put into the community. Absolutely. Uh, what do you think this drag renaissance looks like in Winnipeg? Like what, what is that, what, what do you see changing? Um, it's definitely a way more welcoming space to AFAB performers, assigned, like performers who are assigned female birth. Um, because like while we've had them in the past, it's kind of been like uh, there's been a period where we haven't really had any in the past couple of years. And so when Moxie started and when I started, um, we were kind of some of like the first people who had done it in a while and so like have drag queens that are afab and so um you know we really want to like make sure there's that open space for people to uh, create and do drag and i think that's a large part of what's changing there's been more of a focus on um uplifting performers of color so i think though it's just becoming a more inclusive space yes i do think the scene before uh, a lot of slunt factory things and before sort of you and moxie started performing drag in the local scene um the scene was pretty much dominated by white cisgender men and now we're seeing a bunch of um women non-binary two-spirit folks come out and and represent those communities that do drag as well yeah the definitely the court system and itself has been very white cis male focused. Um, once again, like like that's been around for a good five years, four or five years before like before us. Mm-hmm. So I think that deserves to be acknowledged because I think that's where really this drag renaissance started. Like that's the roots of it. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely become a more welcoming space. I like to think. Absolutely. And just going to shows, I've seen um, more audiences or larger audiences than ever before. It's kind of undeniable uh, the fact that drag is sort of um, 
popping up all over mainstream media nowadays, there's been this huge uptake of interest in drag. Why do you think that is? Um, as much as, you know, a lot of us, I feel like, begrudge it, a lot of it has to do with RuPaul's Drag Race. That's unavoidable. Um, and so that's, like, you know, sparked up, like, a ge more general interest in drag. But um, I think also people are, like, realizing just, like, how wide the breadth of what drag is can be. Like, it's – there's so many different things drag can be, and it's, m like, way beyond – you know, the binary of just drag kings and drag queens. Totally. And I feel like a lot of people who may be interested in going to see a drag show might be a little bit afraid of sort of maybe just the unknown of what, what to expect there. And slunt shows are very, very different from the kind of drag that you typically see on shows like RuPaul's Drag Race. What would you tell audiences who are looking to attend their first slunt show? What, do you, what would you tell them to expect? You know, I, I feel like it's a pretty good way to ease in because, you know, we at the beginning of every show, we outline kind of the etiquette of what you should be doing. Um, but we're always very welcoming to, like, have people out. And, like, they're new performers, so everybody's just kind of learning at the same time. We're still learning how to host. You know, the performers are figuring out what works for them. And the audience members are, like, just having fun and enjoying the show. Mm -hmm. So uh, I am a, let's say that I am a, 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 a person who's fresh to drag. I walk into Club 200 for the first time coming to a slunch show. What are some of those rules of etiquette that I should follow to make sure I don't step on anybody's toes? Well, first of all, you need to make sure you don't go on the stage when someone's performing. <laughs> That's a, like a number one. Um, just cheer. We feed off your energy. So that's a huge part um, of being an audience member is just, you know, cheering as loud as you can, showing that you're invested and, in, like, having a good time. Um, and also, if you're able to, it's really great to tip your queens. Obviously, for some people, like, they don't have the means to. But if you do, like, just, you know, drag is expensive. <laughs> Toss us, like, a dollar bill or five or, you know. Those are, like, kind of the good general rules. Why do you think that drag is so important for both the queer community and um, the general population in general in understanding sort of the queer community as a whole? Uh, I think within the queer community, it's, you know, drag queens and kings have kind of always been... Um, I guess the figureheads in that, like, they're so visible in what they do that um, they, they're they kind of like these figures that people think of. So it's part of our responsibility to um, make sure we're, like, I guess portraying the right things, <laughs> mm -hmm. that makes any sense. Um, but also I think, you know, for queer like for the queer community uh it's you know this wonderful form of expression and it's it's always been a huge part of bringing queer people together and creating a community yeah and uh it really is an art form that kind of encompasses a lot of different mediums. Like it, it, costume design is an artistry. Makeup design is an artistry. Dancing and lip syncing is something that takes work and practice. It's it's really kind of one of those like all-in-one 
mediums where you just get a really great show that people have put a lot of work into. Um, so as a queer person, what has drag done for you? Uh, first and foremost, it's given me a community and a family that I was never really able to access before. Even being a part of queer spaces, I was like, I've never really been super great about making those connections. Um, and so that's been the biggest thing for me is finding, you know, this beautiful, big queer family of people. And I know that's not necessarily the case in like all uh, like in other cities for sure. But like in Winnipeg, we're definitely, you know, a close knit community. So um, that's a huge part of it. And then also just like the outlet of being able to put like it's a catharsis both like gender wise for me as like a non-binary person and then also just like emotionally uh because I tend to do a lot of like very emotional performances yeah so what's up for slunt factory in the future what's going on next so we have we have a nice little slate of shows coming up obviously this Sunday we have it's my party on March Third, we have BoobTube, which is, you know, <laughs> celebrating all kinds of TV and video games. And then in uh, in April, we have our, – our show is just called Slunt. But we have a very special guest coming in from Edmonton whose name is Sephoria. She's an incredible queen as long, along with Feather Queen who is uh, a local queen and in <laughs> – in March, we have Slaytana, who's my sister. So I'm very excited about that. Fantastic. So also, each slunt show seems to follow sort of a theme for performers to kind of interpret as they will. Um, obviously, this one's sort of a birthday celebration, so it's an homage to some of those queens that are already in the scene. BoobTube is uh, geared towards sort of the media. How do you guys select your themes? We kind of just have a big list going at all times, and we place things where we think they'll fit best. Um, I think themes are very good, especially when you're starting out, because it gives you kind of this, like, guideline to go by. Instead of just being like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You kind of have something to select from. Fantastic. Uh, So catch Slunt Factory at Club 200 this Sunday at 8 p.m. for It's My Party. Ezzy, thank you so much for coming in today and chatting with me. Of course. Stay tuned after this commercial break to hear from Aiden Cloet on last night's fundraiser show at the Goodwill and from Cassidy Dankachik ranting about our sub-sub-sub-zero temperatures. We'll be right back to the midday memo on RRC Anthem. Keep rolling with us all the way to the weekend. Tinder. We've all used it. We've all let one potential love go by swiping too fast. I get it. You're tired. Loser after loser after loser. But then one quick swipe and he's gone. Into the abyss. Of group pictures. Of guys named Chad. And pictures of trucks. And that's why it's more important than ever to slow down while you swipe. We're finally doing it, babe. 
Seven days in Paris, just like you always wanted. I know, it feels like a dream. I can't believe you got such a good price on the website. Bonjour, monsieur, mademoiselle, welcome to Paris. Hello, yes, we have a reservation under Anderson. Let me see, ah yes, on the third floor. It's supposed to be on the 23rd floor. Third floor! Uh, okay, but we have a jacuzzi tub, right? You have a shower with hot water. I guess they didn't book their vacation with Dream Trip. Head to dreamtrip.ca, travel the human way. There's brunch on Sunday though, right? What Cineplex show do you want to see tonight, Lynn? Ah, uh, I don't know. There's so many good movies to choose from. How about The Nun? Oh, my brother saw that. He loved it, but too scary for me. What about A Star is Born? That one's got music and romance. Definitely my kind of thing. I'm in. Honestly, on Cheap Tuesday, you can't go wrong. Totally. I'll get the tickets, you grab the popcorn? Deal. At Cineplex, we provide the movies. All you have to do is choose. Visit Cineplex.com for showtimes at a theater near you. You can just tell that BDI has that B-A-E. I don't know. I haven't seen anything that good recently. You're not following enough Winnipeg Instagrammers then. What does that have to do with anything? Big aesthetic energy. Dude, that isn't a thing. Look at this Instagram and tell me BDI doesn't have B-A-E. We have that B-A-E that your Instagram grid needs, but like, we're not gonna brag about it. Find us seasonally at our Jubilee location, year round at the U of M, or catch the Goop to go this summer at your favorite event. Hi there, can I get a small Oreo McFlurry, please? Sorry, sir, our ice cream machine is actually down right now. What? How? How is your ice cream machine always down? Ugh. Sir? Sir? McDonald's is great for a lot of things, sir? but ice cream is not one of them if hey, we will sir, continue to be treated like this. Do sir? not buy ice cream from McDonald's. Sir? I beg of you. Hey, Jimmy! You working hard or hardly working, buddy? Working hard, man. I just got my truck back from the shop this morning. Ah, no way. I bet those crooks raked you over the coals. Tell me about it. I took it to DNS Auto. They told me the bill was going to be like 800 bucks. They charged me 600. You're kidding me. Remind me to steer clear of DNS Auto. They told me it wouldn't be ready for four days. Then two days later, they're calling me and telling me it's ready. Enough of those scumbags. DNS Auto. You're going to love complaining about the service you get here. Welcome back to the Midday Memo. It's almost time for the weekend, and we're here to send you off on a positive note by giving you the information that you need. Oh yeah, welcome back to the Midday Memo. My name is Graham Hooson. I am your host for today. And now we have a feature story by Aiden Cloet on last night's fundraiser show at the Goodwill Social Club. Let's have a listen. Okay, well, we're going to play a song called Small Talk. It's about, you know, small talk and how sometimes it's a little bit tedious and dumb. Sometimes it's good. <laughs> I'm starving for sympathy. So sick of all this sophistry and the common ground. We think that we found. But all we do is small talk. We ain't got nothing to say. All we do is small talk. Those two voices you just heard were Kenzie Jane and Courtney Devon performing at a fundraiser show on Thursday. What for? To help Courtney with her immigration fees. Courtney is a full-time musician from North Dakota who came to Winnipeg for school. Currently in Amadians as the lead singer, Odd Outfit as the lead singer, Kenzie Jane is a background singer, Ariel Posen is a background singer, Roman Clark is a background singer. Uh, is that all? I think that's all, yeah. 
After a few years, she decided she wanted to stick around. My first paid show was in Winnipeg. What makes it so important to you to, to go through this process to, to, to be Canadian? Yeah, well, <laughs> n number one, my band. That the, the music, the people in that band are my heart and my soul and my family. It's, it's, it's also because Winnipeg is the first place I've really felt at home. It, it has such a wonderful music scene and it has such a, a wonderful supportive like group of musicians that are involved in the music scene and it's just fantastic. The fundraiser was spearheaded by the Disraeli Dreamers, who offered to use their night as part of a charity show to help pay for her immigration fees. Kenzie Jane, a close friend and bandmate, also offered to give all the money she raised through CD purchases to Courtney and is happy to see all of the support. Really, they're helping a lot just mm -hmm. by being here, so mm -hmm. it's going well. Courtney's family still all lives in North Dakota, and she admits it's hard not to miss them at times. Do you have any, like, other, do you have any family here, or, like, how is that sort of situation? Ah, uh, well, it was fine when I was able to go to and from, but the conditions of my application of my immigration are that I cannot leave until it's finished. So all my family is back home, all my family, and it sucks. And they're full-time, you know, they work full-time, and they've got lives, and so I don't see them very often at all. So that does really, that sucks. But I have a new family and my friends, and uh, Kyle's family is wonderful to me, and, and also like a family. So luckily I have a good support system. If I didn't, I'd have lost my mind already. Through good times and bad, Courtney still loves to be here, and to call it home, and eagerly awaits approval from the government. Fantastic. So, Aiden, tell me a little bit about the atmosphere of the Goodwill that night. Was it a good turnout? There was a really great turnout. You could tell that like she plays such a crucial role in what makes Winnipeg's music scene so well praised. And she got on that topic as well of saying, like, whenever you talk to people about Winnipeg's music scene or Winnipeg in general, that's one of the first things that comes up is the Winnipeg music scene. And so I just saw so many familiar faces from me going to shows as well and just seeing the regulars from those shows that were also at this event and helping uh, support her during this process. And, you know, Canada has a bit of a, a weird point system when it comes to the immigrant process. But, yeah, no, it was just, there was so much positivity in the room. There was so many happy faces, and she was just g glowing. It was great to see. Nice to hear. Well, best of luck to Courtney, and thank you so much for stopping in, Aiden. Now, once again, we have Kaylin Bell with the latest news. You're listening to News on the Midday Memo. Patients waited an average of 15 minutes longer for care last month in Winnipeg emergency rooms than they did the previous month. The Winnipeg Regional Health Authority posted numbers showing the median wait times at all ERs in December was an hour and 45 minutes. That compared to an hour and a half wait in the month of November. 
The winter season contributed to the longer wait times with slip and fall injuries caused by icy sidewalks and seasonal respiratory illnesses filling up beds in emergency departments and intensive care units. On the topic of extreme weather, at least 16 people have died in the brutal cold snap that's recently hit the Midwestern U.S. Among the dead, a Milwaukee area man found frozen in his backyard. Forecasters say the cold will give way to a warming trend. In Rockford, Illinois, where it was a record-breaking minus 31 degrees, the temperature could reach 50 on Monday. The National Weather Service's Brian Hurley. Those areas that were hardest hit, you know, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, a lot of those areas are going to see highs in the teens to near 20 today, above zero. So that's uh, very uh, certainly refreshing. I'm Rita Foley. The man accused of shooting an RCMP officer during a series of break-ins in western Manitoba last summer has pleaded guilty. Therese Reset Boyeau was charged last August with two counts of attempted murder, as well as two counts of breaking and entering, possession of property attained by crime, and weapons-related offenses. He entered guilty pleas to one count of attempted murder in Brandon Provincial Court on Thursday morning. Reset Boyeau, who is from Sandy Bay First Nation, was 18 at the time of his arrest. And for the current conditions, it's minus 14 in Winnipeg right now, but it feels like about minus 25. We've got some light snow with winds at 31 kilometers an hour. I'm Kalen Bell with the Midday Memo. Thank you, Kalen, for the news update. Up next, here's Cassidy Denkochik with a hot take on a chilly subject. It's time for this episode's rant segment, The Rumble. The Rumble. The place where we throw down opinions and smack down the facts. Let's get ready to rumble! Are you ready? <laughs> uh, cold enough for you this week? Uh, Frigid's temperatures gripped not only Winnipeg, but as we heard in the news, all across the rest of the continent. Uh, Winnipeg at one point was even colder than the South Pole for one day, although it is worth remembering that it is summer in the Southern Hemisphere right now. So as you do, you go on social media and you just see the complaints about the weather flooding in. Uh, The consensus seemed to be, why do we live in the frozen hellscape that is Manitoba? That is, until Toronto declared a state of emergency emergency due to weather. Uh, The temperature in Canada's largest city dropped to minus 8 degrees with the wind chill headed to minus 18. Sorry, Bartley Kivas for referencing that. Uh, That was on the top post on Winnipeg's subreddit and a big topic of discussion on Twitter. So let's briefly ignore the reasons behind declaring the state of emergency. Do Winnipeggers think they have a monopoly on complaining about the weather? It was unseasonably cold all across the central part of Canada. It's about the deviation from temperature norms, not an overall total. It's not a competition. Listen, I'm all good. I'm all for a good Toronto bashing session. It is Canada's national pastime after all. But it's really unwarranted here. I'm sure when Winnipeg complains about uh, unseasonably high temperatures in the summer, other places ridicule us. So I think it's time to stop bashing Toronto and start bashing Vancouver. (laughs) Uh, Let's circle back to that emergency declaration, though. Its purpose wasn't ever to to, uh, (laughs) uh, give a warning to the general public. It was to help free up federal funds for the homeless and new Canadian population in Toronto. Those populations are just unequipped to handle the cold, 
never mind minus 18, never mind minus 20, never mind minus 10 probably. So if you're going to complain about the weather, like I do as well, don't complain about other com people complaining about the weather. Winnipegers just don't have a monopoly on complaining about the weather. It should be a national pastime. Thank you, Cassidy. That was certainly heated. <laughs> Thank you. Stay tuned after this commercial break to hear from Caitlin Gowerluck on local teachers' attempts to incorporate Indigenous teachings in classes and Christina Burridge on the Super Bowl and President Obama's upcoming trip to the PEG. We'll be right back to the Midday Memo on RRC Anthem. Stay with us to get through that Friday afternoon lull. <sighs> So alone, so betrayed, and so abandoned. Nothing beats the intense heartbreak and disappointment you feel when your crush doesn't watch your Instagram story. You wouldn't wish that trauma on anyone. So do your secret crush a favor and watch everyone's Instagram story, just in case. <sighs> it looks like a French boutique, how cute. I know, right? I can't wait to try their salted caramel macaroons. Wait, isn't it pr pronounced macaron? What's the difference? I don't think it's a huge deal. It is. They mean two different things. One is coconut and the other is cookie sandwiches. Hi, may I take your order? Macaroons. macaroons. <laughs> Whether you want coconut or icing, Jenna Ray Cakes will have the sweets you crave. Visit our locations at 580 Academy Road and the Forks. It's real. Can't be. It is. A lion plus a tiger equals liger. Sounds fake. It's not. I saw it on the internet. Oh, so it must be real. It is, and it's awesome. Hey, guys. Hey, Pete. What you got there? A sushi-rito. A what? Sushi and a burrito. It's a sushi burrito. Chosabi, home of the sushi burrito. It's real, and it's awesome. Visit chosabi.com. Charlie, sad dude. Mikey, dude, sir, ready for a hash stash? Yeah, dude. I'm still a little bent out from Commendo yesterday, but skate or die. Hey, what's up with Cody? Dude, he's been holding this green apple in his hoodie all day. He says it's gonna get him better at skating. Wait, does he mean like Green Apple Skate Shop? The spot with the dope videos and super cheap gear on greenappleshop.ca? Yeah, I should have told him it's not a real green apple, because this just seems to be getting in his way. Getting in his way. Check out Green Apple Skateboard Shop at 836 Cordon Avenue. What Cineplex show do you want to see tonight, Lynn? Ah, uh, I don't know. There's so many good movies to choose from. How about The Nun? Oh, my brother saw that. He loved it, but too scary for me. What about A Star is Born? That one's got music and romance. Definitely my kind of thing. I'm in. Honestly, on Cheap Tuesday, you can't go wrong. Totally. I'll get the tickets, you grab the popcorn? Deal. At Cineplex, we provide the movies. All you have to do is choose. Visit Cineplex.com for showtimes at a theater near you. We're finally doing it, babe. Seven days in Paris, just like you always wanted. I know, it feels like a dream. I can't believe you got such a good price on the website. Bonjour, monsieur, mademoiselle, welcome to Paris. Hello, yes, we have a reservation under Anderson. Let me see, ah yes, on the third floor. It's supposed to be on the 23rd floor. Third floor! Uh, okay, but we have a jacuzzi tub, right? You have a shower with hot water. I guess they didn't book their vacation with Dream Trip. Head to dreamtrip.ca, travel the human way. There's brunch on Sunday though, right? Welcome back to the Midday Memo. We're here to get you through that long Friday afternoon by telling you what you need to know.
Wow, welcome back to the Midday Memo. My name is Graham Hooson. I am your host, and we have some breaking news. Tim Horton's co-founder, Ron Joyce, has died at the age of 88. Cause of death, still unknown. Uh, now we have a segment from Caitlin Gowerluck on teachers trying to incorporate Indigenous content into the curriculum. Caitlin, take it away. So it's been a little over three years since the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, or the TRC, released its 94 calls to action, many of which focus on education and how to integrate Indigenous content into school curriculums. So now we're left with some questions. How far have we come and who's leading the way? Last week, Negan Sinclair, who is an associate professor at the U of M, a columnist at the Winnipeg Free Press, and a former and self-proclaimed recovering high school teacher, provided some answers to CBC Radio host Rosanna Deerchild on her show, Unreserved. And from Sinclair's perspective, a lot has changed since he was in school learning about Indigenous people as a side note in history class. Uh, we were in loincloths, we came across a Bering Strait, and we threw a bunch of spears, and then boom, Europeans show up, and then it's 450 pages about how awesome Europeans are, and they built a country, and they, et cetera, and then Indigenous people show up really twice. One is Louis Riel, we fought the treaties, and then number two is our uh, Chief Crowfoot, we accepted the treaties. So we're either a bad Indian or a good Indian. If anything, we were dropped in as examples of larger Canadian dominance than anything else. Sinclair said the way schools are incorporating Indigenous education into their curriculums is changing, and often for the better. But Indigenous knowledge is intrinsically tied to the land we live on, so if teachers want their students to really appreciate what they're learning, they need to get them out of the classroom. To be able to understand, for instance, how Indigenous peoples uh, view the sky or to how they view science, you also have to spend time out in the world. Like you, if you're to talk about the language, for example. So many of our languages talk about the world as an animate place, a place of life, place of spirit. That's impossible to understand unless you go spend time with a tree and looking at what a tree means and how does a tree express itself or how does a bear write because bears mark trees. That's, that's literacy. And being able to understand those things and see them out in the real world is really what Indigenous education is all about. As more classes are being taught by Indigenous teachers, Sinclair said he's slowly seeing progress in how the TRC's calls to action are incorporated into curriculums. But as all teachers start learning how to include Indigenous education in their lesson plans, this change starts happening quicker. I think they've moved farther because of the amount of Indigenous teachers who have entered the system. There's not in any way you know, an avalanche of Indigenous teachers who have... Well, usually a school will hire one or two, mm-hmm. but that will drive an agenda in which... They're in the staff room talking to other teachers, and then pretty soon you have a group of teachers who are working on collective interdependent units. Yeah. Uh, pretty soon you're going on trips. Pretty soon you're changing the the logo on the football team. Pretty soon there, there's other people coming in, elders, storytellers, professors coming in, start working with the school itself. As fully informed Canadians, a comprehensive Indigenous education is an absolutely essential part of our worldview, and it's important that we listen to Indigenous people so we can fix what is clearly not working. But how do we come up with a strategy that works for everyone from five-year-olds to university students? We don't, Sinclair said. Instead, we tailor how we incorporate Indigenous education based on who it's for. The challenge is how do we create human beings that are competent? That is truly what I think Indigenous education is so crucially giving for young people, is it makes them understanding of fundamentally what does it mean to be Canadian? What does it mean to have an inherent relationship with Indigenous people? And how do we live together? Like you can teach residential schools, for example, at any grade level. But Mm -hmm. you obviously don't teach kindergarten students about violence and genocide at kindergarten. Here's what you teach them. You teach them about how important parents are. What does it mean to share? 
what does it mean to have love? And how then they're prepared for the conversation of when those things were taken away, whether you have a conversation then or whether you have a conversation later, they're prepared to be able to understand what, how residential schools didn't just impact Indigenous people, it impacted the entire country. So the question remains, what are we as a society doing to make sure we incorporate more Indigenous education in our classrooms? And is it enough? Put simply, we still have a lot of work to do, but if you ask Sinclair, the task is in good hands. There's nobody more capable than doing it than teachers. By the mere fact that they are teachers, meaning they are hopeful people who believe in the knowledge of young people, and that you, that training young people in such a way and empowering them can change a world, I think there's probably no one more up for the task. They need to be empowered and resourced, but I believe in teachers. I always believe mm-hmm. in teachers. To learn more about the TRC's calls to action, you can check out the website for the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation that's housed at the University of Manitoba at nctr.ca. For the Midday Memo, I'm Caitlin Gowerluck. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Uh, Now, Christina Burridge is here talking about the Super Bowl and President Barack Obama coming to Winnipeg next month. So, Christina, why don't you take it away? Thank you very much, Graham. So, Graham, are you ready for the Super Bowl this weekend? Uh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, you don't watch it for the teams, you watch it for the commercials. Right. Right. (laughs) Okay, so get your snacks and your cheers ready for the New England Patriots versus the Los Angeles Rams. It's starting on Sunday, February 3rd at 5.30 p.m. So because most people like the halftime show, for the halftime show, Maroon 5 will be the headliner and joined by Travis Scott and... Okay, sorry. Um, For the halftime show, Maroon 5 will be the headliner and joined by Travis Scott and Big Boy. The three had faced some criticism for their decision to perform at the halftime show after the alleged blacklisting of Colin uh, Kaepernick for protesting police brutality by kneeling uh, during the national anthem before games. In response to the controversy, uh, Travis Scott agreed to participate only if the NFL joined him in donating a large sum of money to Dream Corps. And Maroon 5 also wants uh, the NFL to uh, donate the same same large amount to uh, Big Brothers and Big Sisters of America. Interesting fact about this with the Super Bowl, after the death of uh, Stefan Hillenberg, he was the creator of SpongeBob SquarePants, an online petition was created to have the song Sweet Victory by David Glenn Esley, which was featured in the episode Band Geeks of SpongeBob, and people were wanting it to be performed at the Super Bowl. While there has been no official confirmation, fans are holding out hope that the petition came through and the song will be performed by Maroon 5. In other sports-related news, the Winnipeg Jets won 4-3 against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Kyle Connor scored the winning goal with uh, 1 minute 14 seconds remaining in the third period. With this victory, the Jets have a win streak of six games. Well, this is the fourth straight loss for the Blue Jackets. Tomorrow, Saturday, February 2nd, the Winnipeg Jets will be facing off the Anathem Ducks. Um, and, uh, sorry. In other news... Uh, Barack Obama is coming to Winnipeg. A conversation with President Barack Obama will be happening at Bell MTS Center on March 4th at 6 p.m. Pre-sale tickets have already gone on sale last Monday through Ticketmaster, and starting on and it started on January 30th. The tickets are already on sale for the general public. Prices range from $102 to $500 per ticket. The former U.S. president will be heading to Calgary the following day after this event for a noon event and then immediately to Vancouver for an early evening event. 
And that is all we got for sports and entertainment today. Thank you very much, Graham. Thank you. I have a couple of questions for you, though. Yes. Uh, what are you more excited for, Obama or the Super Bowl? Definitely Obama. Really? Why is that? <laughs> um, because he's a really, I really like him as a pres- like even though we, we live in Winnipeg, or um, I really like him as a president, and I feel like this would be kind of like a chance in a lifetime to like actually go. Like the Super Bowl happens every year. And everything, and it's like it's great to see the halftime show, but like something like this, he just randomly chose Winnipeg, mm-hmm. and it's like, when when is he gonna come back? Like probably not for a while, mm-hmm. and everything. So yeah, I'm I would love to get some tickets if I could. <laughs> uh, but honestly, who can uh, not be excited for that fantastic SpongeBob song? Exactly. Who can forget that little fish man flying into the sky with his rotating trombone? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so yeah. what was your favorite ad from last year's Super Bowl? Uh, definitely, like, the Tide Pod ads. Those ones are very good. Yeah, those Tide Pod ads were really fantastic. <laughs> yeah, they did a great job. So thank you so much, Christina. And yeah. that wraps up this week's episode of the Midday Memo. Thank you to all of our guests and reporters. Tune in next week, same time, same place. That's 12 p.m. next Friday, February 8 at noon. Accessible at redriverradio.rrc.ca colon 8000 slash listen. For more of the freshest news around town, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at RRC Anthem for the updates, uh, for updates, news, memes, and more. My name is Graham Hooson, and have a great freakend. That ends this week's Midday Memo. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on Anthem and RRC Anthem. For more content throughout the week, check out our website at radio.rrc.ca for more shows, podcast episodes, and news. See you next week. 